0: Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Are you good? I, I'm well. I'm good. Um, we had quite a week, and uh, it's, it was a good week. It really was. Um, and I wanted to, this morning, before we get into the Word, just to share a little bit about um, some of the things that came out of the Pray and Fast Week, and I thought it was quite significant uh, this week. But let, let me start with this as we get the sound. Um, it's not fasting that causes God to speak. Yeah. All right, so there's no condemnation for those that in Christ Jesus. In fact, you've been set free. So we don't like, you know, um, did you fast this week? And what kind of fast did you do? You know, um, no, God is speaking all the time. In fact, Fasting is more about us than it is about moving God or trying to get God to do something for us. You don't need to do anything to get God to do something for you. He's already done it. In fact, Jesus said it, it is finished. But what happens with fasting is that we become quiet before the Lord. And and that's what I enjoyed this week. Um, being able to just focus on Jesus. And, and not, not, like we had prayer meetings in the morning and it was really good and I'm going to share some of the things that came out of that. But it wasn't even about um, coming to church morning, evening, you know. It was really like throughout the day exercising a discipline of focus on Jesus. I sat and um, when I was sitting in the studio And I focus on Jesus when I was driving to um, the hospital this week to visit one of our members, focus on Jesus, walk into the hospital, Jesus, where are you? You know, that doesn't need to happen once a year (laughs) for a week of fast. Um, It's really, actually, it should be the lifestyle. It's what the Bible says, living a lifestyle of intimacy with God. It's being aware that God is everywhere, and He's involved, and He is interested in every part of my life. And so, um, if you didn't fast, like, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something, and maybe this might shock some of you. I don't know what kind of background you come from in terms of church, but um, Marlon preached such a word last week that the Holy Spirit convicted me, and he said, yeah. You know, I, I came into this year thinking, right, Lord, this is the week, right? I'm going to fast food, and I'm just going to drink water, and I'm going to like get close to you. And, and then the Lord said, did I tell you to fast like that? Great word. I, I walked out of here, and, and it was like, the Lord just said, listen to me. And so I didn't stop eating. So, sorry if you thought that the pastor of this church is going to stop eating with you, okay? I actually didn't. In fact, I, I, it was so, such a conviction that, am I going to be religious here? Or am I really going to see God? And so, I started, I said, thank you, Lord, while I was eating. Thank, Lord, you are here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I came to church, and I, man, I tell you, we had an awesome time. It was Personally, the Lord knows it was probably my best fast. Yeah. As it had nothing to do with food. It was that I was able to focus on Jesus, even in the middle of everything. Yeah. Things didn't change. I didn't go home. And then, you know, so, like I know some, <laughs> I know some, some of my friends, uh, when we were fasting back in the day, we were young in ministry, you know. And then we, we would do a lot of praying in the morning. Like, Man. One of my, my and, and I appreciated it. I think the Lord kind of leads you through discipline, strong discipline, so that you actually become solid in your foundation, eh? But over time, you start to learn how to walk this discipline out in life. So we used to like, we used to get together six in the morning. You know, these are all campus friends, right? So we get together and, man, we pray fervently. And then, we, and then we, we chose a book and we, in the Bible, and we would study that book every day. And, and like I say, the Lord taught us through that. But we we're so passionate, eh? Sometimes I think the Lord is just laughing at us. <laughs> Look at these folks. And then, and then, and then we go home and we sleep. Because we knew the night we we're going to be back there, and we we're going to do it again, you know? Um, this time around. Um, I'm a little bit older now, <laughs> and I've been walking with Jesus for a little bit longer. This time around, it wasn't like that. It was daily life, and then focusing on His presence in everything that I did. Man, I tell you, I think that's the kind of fasting, you read it last week, that the Lord is seeking for. That we are able in our business, in our daily lives, we are able to actually focus on Him, make Him the center of our attention and our affection. And um, that, yeah, you know, what does that mean? It means that there are many things in this world that will pull you, but you've got to resist them all and say that I'm not going to pour out my affection on things, materialism, Success, you know, we, we define success quite strangely as a society. We look at how the person is dressed, how the, what kind of car they drive, where do they live, you know, the status in life. But God does not look at the outward. The Bible says He looks at the heart. Yes. And so being able to just silence every voice out there, whether it's positive or negative, eh? Even the positive words can lead us down a path. We take it, but don't define your identity on it, with it. So, what came out this week were a couple of things, and there's a picture that Veronica sent me. Now, I didn't send it to the multimedia team, I confess, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try my best to explain it. He said, okay. One of the mornings, we were reading Psalm 136. You know that song it says, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, is? Thank you, Margaret. <laughs> so when you, that, that comes from Psalm 136. And when you read the whole psalm, um, it literally, the theme of it is, is love endures favor. And this um, and there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a, a verse where it says, with a mighty hand eh, and an outstretched arm. And I saw this picture while we were praying of God's hands reaching out. And um, you know, when, when, when you reach out to a little child, when you reach out, immediately the response is from the child. "Hey, Jason's little uh, Zoe. <laughs> well, it's more, Riley. whenever I walk in here and, and I do this, Riley's like, "Take me, come on.") Um, That's the picture of God always reaching out towards us. He never withdraws. It is man, it is you and I, that would actually step back, or maybe we don't reach out back, or sometimes we just turn away. It's amazing the the opposite of reaching out is folded arms. So I wrote these things down um, when I saw these hands reaching out towards us. Always willing to give. Always willing to give. Provision. Maybe this morning you're here and, and you've, been, you've been wondering, last year might have been a tough year and you've been wondering, man, is God still here? Is He still willing to give? I'm telling you, He's always willing to give. And we just got to reach out back. And, and that's the thing, hey, Angus, where sometimes we just want to do it our way. You know, I've got a solution, man. I'm going to stick to this. God is like, let me do it for you. It's a life of surrender. Always willing to help it's salvation. He's always willing to save you. Doesn't matter what situation you're in, God's outreach arms are always willing to deliver you, to save you. There's nothing the Bible says that God cannot deliver you from. So don't think you're alone. Don't think that you There's no help. God is always willing. Always willing to be with us. You know what this means? I want to be with you. I want to hold you. It's a sign. It really is a sign of intimacy. A sign of embracing. Always willing to embrace. Always willing to forgive. There is no condemnation for those that are in Him because those that are in Him have reached out back, always willing to forgive. And there is no sin that God is not willing to forgive. I feel some of you needed to hear that this morning. And so God knows your heart. I wrote this, He knows your heart. So there was another thing I saw when the hands were reached out. I actually saw the hands of Jesus, you know, the scars where the nails were, and and it was like the cross represents the outstretched arms of God to everyone. Nobody is excluded. So I went to the Lord and I said, "Um, what do you want me to speak about after this week? And so this message, I don't know if it's a preach, eh? I think this is more about who we are is the Father's house. And I'm going to make a bold disclaimer this morning. Yeah. That if you're and you've been here for a while and you're still wondering, who are these people? So look around. I was here about eight years ago when I walked in. It was very different. There were different faces. And God somehow, hey Pete, God somehow started moving in a direction with this church into a prophetic direction that I heard when I first walked into this church was going to, this was going to become. And you know, what I realized this week is that if we don't cement that today, it's like the Israelites. You'll always be wandering around in the desert. You know what they finally did? They said, Moses, why don't we go back to Egypt? Not that the pastor father's house was Egypt. I don't believe it. But it's looking back. What happened to Lot's wife when she kept looking back? And I said, Lord, I don't want to turn into a pill of salt. Because you know what a pill of salt is? It is immobilization, where you can't move. Because if you keep looking back, you're, not, you're going to miss what God is doing in the present and what God is wanting to do in the future. And so I sat this week, and we were praying, and, and there was one, and we're going to do that later, eh? again, um, there was one moment where we locked arms, Veronica. And it was a very prophetic moment. Veronica Dipinar. that was prophetic what you did. We locked arms in a circle. And I saw the Lord say, um, I saw the Lord just come, outstretched arms say, eh? come like this. As we locked arms, locking arms is cementing who we are. It is cementing. What this church was destined for. What this church is destined for. And I tell you, there will be challenges when we face, when we make a decision to do the things that God has called us to do. The enemy is not going to sit back and say, to become just become what God has made you. He's going to challenge that. He'll come up against it. He'll come up. In our hearts, in our minds, and he'll say, "But are you sure this church is on the right track?" Some of the things that the Lord said, I've still got the record of it. Um, thank you, Jose. You, you know, you steward the Word of God, the, the prophetic Word of God, and um, I still got those records. And some of the things I'm seeing is happening, and I tell you, I they. There were no strategies (laughs) here. I know. I mean, you know, normally, you know, in the church, people would, there's there's some very clever people, you know, they put strategies down. And, you know, you will strategize it, and how do we become that? But I tell you, somehow the Lord orchestrated this thing for us to walk into the prophetic destiny of this church. And so I'm going to call it out today, and then we're going to lock it. We're going to seal it. Because this week I said, Lord, I'm no longer going to allow in my spirit, in my heart, for Satan to come every time and unsettle the things that you called us to. Um, so I wrestled, I did, and bear with me. Um, But I felt the freedom of the Lord and the favor of God. So so I I really titled this the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? Now I know we are the house of the Lord. You are the temple. It dwells in you. But there is something about the church that comes together as a community that becomes a house of the Lord. Ephesians says every brick built upon each other with the cornerstone being Jesus. And so there is a significance about a church, a community of believers that stand together in faith that we are building the kingdom of God as a house on a hill, eh? which means it's not a house that hides, it's not a house that is like, you know, secret, um, oh, we just got our kumbaya, this is like our little thing, eh? As long as we're all together, like Peter said to Jesus, hey, put the tent up when, he, when they all saw Elijah. And, hey, why, why don't we just camp here? Forget about the mission, man. Forget about Jesus. Forget about going to the cross. <laughs> you know, not that they knew, but it was basically like saying we camp here. A church is never meant to camp around the goodness of God. In fact, you are meant to radiate the goodness of God into. All of life into society on the field. It's good to see you, man. Aaron, in journalism, wherever you are. Hey, in the business world, Paulo, man, whoever you talk to, whatever you do in life, you are to radiate his presence and his goodness, and that is what the church is called to. And so I, I believe the Lord has has called us and has moved us into. Not just a community that loves one another, but a community that is willing to love the world out there. And for us to do that, we've got to know who we are, we've got to know who God is, and you've got to settle with the fact that God can use you. Not just full-time, you know, people. No, not just staff, you know. And so... I'm gonna start here. Let me actually just get to these notes. You'll notice in this church we don't do preaching on tithing. You know. I said, Lord, do you want me to go there? And he said, go there. Okay. You see, the 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 Lord speaks about generosity through Paul in the book, in, in fact, in a couple of books in the epistles, you know, the letters of Paul. He he highlights. Generosity, a spirit of giving. In fact, let me go back to 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. It says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings, sacrifices, as much as in obeying the Lord. That's such a significant verse. And it goes on and says, to obey is better than sacrifice. That was the lesson for me this week about fasting. See, because obedience requires you to hear the Lord. Ritual says, they told me to do this, and when I do this, it's like the Lord is a lotto. My God is not a lotto machine. (laughs) If I do this, then God is going to do that. So in other words, his hands are not outstretched. His arms are not stretched out. In other words, um, only when I do certain things, then he'll stretch his arms. So here's the thing about tithing. It's about obedience. Here's the thing about giving. It's about obedience. Yeah. So what did the Lord say? The Lord says to Shavena that we got to exercise in our family how to manage our money in five different, we call it the five jars. Now I'm telling you this because I want to show you we don't preach this on you? Because did God say it to you? So what we, we've now started exercising and we really want to work hard at this is um, a percentage to to the Lord. And I tell you, some people, the Lord say, give 20%, not 10. So are you going to argue Jesus and say, well, you know, uh, it says 10% in my Bible, <laughs> you know. What do you mean, like 20%, you know? I've learned that. Sometimes God says give more. Um, but the percentage to the church, or, you know, yeah, the kingdom. I don't like calling the church the church because it kind of confines it but, or restrains it. But the kingdom of God, advancing his kingdom, investment, help me out there, because you, you're quite clued up with this as well, saving, and um, What you spend, so that what you live off is a percentage for that. And there's one more offering. And offering, we are exercising um, how to give to people in need as as a family, like give them. Like um, you drive this down not too far from here, you see a lot of people in need. Now, I used to think, and I'm going to be honest with you, like if I just give the money to the church, you're the pastor. Sort it out, man. I go back to work. You know, I'm a businessman. Let me let me do my part, and I give you the money. You sort it out there. Eh? Feed the poor, and then once a month we do. Once a year we do an AGM to find out how much did the church give to the poor out of for my money. <laughs> is is that picture not wrong? <laughs> you know, it's wrong, right? And so I've 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 taken responsibility. And I tell you, it's not the easiest thing. In fact, it's not easy when you have to redo, rewind, renew the mind, right? So, um, so I asked the Lord, okay, so how are we going to do this? Because uh, we've got to live. <laughs> I've got to pay a bond, you know. We've got to, and He said, no, no, now that's the part um, where I step in. because any accountant sitting here or finance background will. We'll start thinking, yeah, but how does this, if I must move into any direction like it. And the Lord said to me, now I create wealth, so I'm going to give you more income. I said, okay, so what are we going to do, Lord? And he says, I'll tell you wh- when. I'll tell you what to do, when to do, so you create more income, so that you can give more beyond just your family. Mm. So I... I'm not telling you what percentages, right? <laughs> because I actually believe that you've got to hear the Lord. You've got to go back to Him and you've got to say, what is it, Father, that you're saying to me and my household? Because obedience, 1 Samuel, obedience is greater than sacrifice. It's better than a ritual that you think, you've, you've learned and you think that if I just do that ritual, then A, B, and C is going to fall into place. So in this church, we believe in obedient, obedient giving, not law-based giving. There's, some call it grace giving, you know, but obedience. What is God saying? Do you think that the Lord would be happy if you weren't paying your bills? Let's go even worse than that. You're not paying your bond or your rent, and your family gets kicked out because you've been giving money to the church. I'm just asking questions. Obedience requires you to know the voice of God, not the voice of a pastor on a TV that tells you, send that and we'll give you. And he, well, he's going to give you. And then he, drives, he flies off with his jet while your family sits without food. I know, yeah. Hey, something's wrong with that picture. So are you listening to the voice of God about your money? That's what this house stands for. And... Um, if anyone preaches a gospel that's different to that, <laughs> hey, that's what Paul said. Yep. Then Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, don't be fooled. Because the Lord has given you freedom. Why would he put you back into bondage? Paul says. Galatians. Yep. What is God saying? We have a value for the voice of God. The the we some call it the the um the rhema word. The Word of God, right? The voice of God. What is He saying to you? We have a value for the written Word of God because the two matches. So um, if you want to know more about that, then come to Bible school. How do you interpret Scripture properly so that you don't get confused when He does speak to you? (laughs) Um, But I also believe that for the Lord, in order for Him to dwell and live within the house. There has to be order. Think about it. He gave specific, not just like, "Oh, uh, David, um, tell your son Solomon to go and build," and then let them figure it out. No, he gave specific instructions on what the house should look like, even to the point of the color. The you know, there is order in the house of God, and in this house, there is order. Order starts with leadership. We have an eldership. I don't even know this. I'm just going to say it to you. There's an eldership. Now, Acts 14, according to Scripture, Acts 1423 says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. So elders are appointed by the people, prayerfully. In this house, we we appoint elders. In fact, we pray and we nominate, and there's a whole team of eldership that would pray into whenever we appoint. And then we bring it before the congregation. And what we call ratification, the congregation, it is one of the most um, eye-opening things for me when I came here. To be able to sit in a community that would say, we agree, we don't agree. Do you know, um, I mean, I was sitting here when they, when they appointed Shavena as, as senior pastors. And the congregation had to vote. And I was sitting right there and I tell you, I didn't know where to look. <laughs> oh, Lord, are they for us? Are they <laughs> but you know, it's biblical. The apostles would throw a lot. In other words, they would actually vote in order to know that this is God. It's the safety of community. So because we're all here and see in part, you cannot see all things in the Spirit. And so the community is together. I'm watching my time. There's no clock there. The community is together, and they hear the Lord together. And so, you know, I love that about the Father's house. Elders are appointed prayerfully, and then they are committed to the Lord, What does that mean? They're not committed to man's agenda. Because if I went, it's it's more than in this church. Okay, today maybe we're looking at about 200 and something, but there's over 300 members in this church. If I went to every member and asked them, hey, (laughs) what color do you like? (laughs) What color do you like? What color? I'm telling you, we're never going to ever paint anything in this church right (laughs) So you commit your leaders to the Lord. How do you do that? You submit not unto them. You submit unto the Lord. And by submitting unto the Lord, you are saying, we trust. That's the last thing that that, that, um, Acts 14 says. In whom they put their trust. We trust the Lord to operate through you. And so we give you. And you know what? Here's the beauty. It has to come with accountability. Accountability. It has to. So what the apostles did, they held each other accountable. And to the point where Paul, Apostle Paul, and Apostle Peter, right, Peter, they had a huge disagreement. And I can just imagine, you must remember that Paul, who was Saul, who was killing Christians, (laughs) Christians, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want to stand in that man's way. <laughs> and you can just imagine, like, the accountability was so high that they would confront each other. This is what we call healthy confrontation, where we can challenge. Why? Because, again, we can go back to Scripture. Hey, Tim, you're out of line. The Bible says that elders are not to lord over people. Leaders, in fact, let me broaden that. We are not to lord over the people that God has entrusted unto you. He says, but serve them. So Jesus became a servant, washing feet and, you know. So there's accountability within a community. And, and I, I, want to, I want to share that my heart with you this morning. You, I am accountable to an eldership team and I'm accountable to you. That's the standard that God has placed for leaders. So what I do on social media, I can't just be reckless. I can't just be reactive. You know, uh, I'm not happy with you. Let me just... <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Greg is... Everybody. Yeah. Because you know what the Bible says is that leaders will stand before the Lord and they will give an account for the way that they conducted their life. And then Paul says, live your life worthy of the call. So leaders, and I'm talking to all leaders, that's the standard. And then you know what? If you, if, if you can't handle that standard, then you've got to actually step down. you are I'm out of here. Because I cannot live a life that is not open. What you see off the stage is what you must see on the stage. And if I lie, then my wife will call me out there she does. But I get it wrong, love. It's not lying. It's when I, I get the timing wrong and the <laughs> No, I tell you I love my wife and she is just justice is all over her, that's a gift. She'll say it me that you're exaggerating, you know. And then um and then we go and we make up at home. <laughs> so so elders are called to make decisions under the Lordship of Christ. They are called to be watch guards of the doctrine, according to Titus. And I think Timothy also mentions the requirements and the function of elders. And so elders have a responsibility before the people to watch over them. And again, and Paul goes further and says, don't watch like you're lording over them, right? So in this church, we believe in adult to adult. What does that mean? It means that I am not going to tell you who you must marry. Yeah. Seriously, if you're going to come. Can I speak Afrikaans? And then translate for girlie. there quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, if you're going to come to me and ask, um, is the Lord saying I can marry this lady? Man, I almost. <laughs> all this five-fold ministry right there. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I, we don't believe. Again, you're not lording over people. But i tell you one thing. I've got friends I can do that with. When there's friendship, community, when there's... Re- you have openness to say, hey, what do you think about this? Think about it, right? But I can't understand how a leader, a spiritual leader, can position themselves outside of relationship to then tell you what you must do in your life. Jesus is your Lord <laughs> okay. yeah. Hey, so adult to adult means that I respect that in you is the presence of God and that you can hear the Lord and so I will listen and if you ask for advice I mean our counselors do this all the time if you ask for advice we'll say well you know consider this and that good counselors coaches would ask questions have you thought of and the answer lies within the person That's a level of maturity. Can I say that? My children grow up. In the beginning, menining, they come and they want to know everything and they're inquisitive. And they, but I tell you, I know we're heading there. But the day that they leave, Chantal is next door, they're going to make decisions. Maturing in the Lord is the ability to hear the voice of God, not the voice of your leader. And it doesn't mean that we don't have honor and respect, because that's actually honor and respect. So eldership sets an example. They bring correction, teach, and they exhort according to Scripture, and they shepherd the flock. And I wanted to share this with our community today, because we're in the lounge now. Our elders, our leaders, we have looked at the growth of this church and you can see the church is growing. And people are coming from various places. And we realize that as shepherds, we need to get down to the ground. And so we have taken the map. So bear with us because actually I think this is the Lord kind of led this way because we looked at where everybody's living. And it's amazing. Our, our leadership right now, this church, the eldership, is living all over in the facilities around this church within various radiuses. And we realized when we looked at our, data, our, our database of the members where they live that there are clusters around the, where the elders are living. The only people, I'm looking at Eugene, sorry man, the only people that live out there are the people from North, um, from Thornton <laughs> and EdgeMed and, <H-Med> and <laughs> all Margaret them, and you know they they're all out there, and so. And so Chauvet, we're going to explain this more, but Chauvet and I actually, we decided, we felt that, because we're also from there, <laughs> we're going to take that area. And so our shepherding, we're calling it pastoral care, is going to go into our leadership, and Jose and Cheryl is also part of that team now. That you're going, to be, you're going to get calls, you're going to get invited maybe. You know, if you're not yet connected, they might just want to have a coffee with you, but we want to shepherd the flock the man up here is no longer. Okay. This is not the pinnacle, right, of ministry, honestly. And, and quite honestly, I mean, you just have to read Scripture. Moses was warned by Jethro, his father-in-law, not to do everything. If you want me to live a full life, don't expect it all coming from Shavani. It's about the body, and I want to get to that quickly. The five-fold ministry. Now, Ephesians 4 11 to 13. And it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. There's that word again. Maturity is what this church is all about. Babies. Do not drink milk until they're 30 years old. In the spirit, you don't drink milk until you die. So Paul writes and says, so let's just settle it, right? I think it's in Hebrews. He says, let's settle it. The foundational things of the doctrine, the foundations, the milk things. He says, let's move to things of meat. There's a path of maturing in the Lord in this house. And so the fivefold ministry, and I want to say this, it's not focused on the few. In fact, if you read that scripture, the few is mentioned to release the masses, to do what they are called to do, the gifting that lies inside of you. And so the focus is not about who's the prophet, you know, who's the pastor, who's the... No, 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 the focus is actually the other way around. It's about what is the gift in you that needs to be unlocked and trained up and released. And that gift is not just released within the house. It's released within society, in whatever you do, whether you're an engineer, whether you clean the places, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are retired, whatever you do in life, whoever you engage with, you have the Spirit of God in you and the gifts of God in you to use that for His kingdom. And so the focus, and I believe the church globally is going gonna, is gonna to start realizing this, the focus is no longer Prophet T.D. Jakes or you know, Prophet this or um, um, Pastor, you know, I almost said Pastor. <laughs> Sorry, man, I don't want to knock the American friends of mine, but no, the focus is not there. In fact, the day will come, and I'm telling you this. Where you're not going to have to, like, it's not about televising the man of God, you know, or the, the officers. No, it's about the people, the people of God, the believers of God out there, and you're going to get testimonies of the revival breaking out, even like in homes and even in businesses. And, and you're going to hear that's going to be the highlights of the church world. Not when is the prophet coming to town? Let's all have a conference. And we camp around that little fire, you know, until when he leaves, the flame goes out. We got to get profit back. The flame is gone. Hamas's prophet charged to come again. (laughs) Finance team, can you please have a meeting? I need about 80 grand to get profit back. The flame is gone. Listen. I'm not knocking. Let me just say this. Some of you are going to go to nations and you're going to unlock that, but it's not about your gifting. It's about you unlocking it in others so that they can go and do the work that God has called them to do. And so the, the pinnacles are come, over oh, the, 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 um, the structure that the church has built over the years is going to be torn down. And Father us, that's who we are. That's why people walk in here and I hear all the time. like, We don't really know what is this, you know. Who's the pastor? (laughs) Why is the first lady sitting behind the camera on a Sunday? (laughs) No, no, listen, and and I love you people, all of you. I love those coming in and asking questions. I had somebody, oh, Lord, bless me for this. Okay, I had someone walking here and, uh, so where do we sit? (laughs) what do you mean uh, are we allowed to sit in front <laughs> it's like it's like listen um only the highly anointed will sit right here and then it will go further back you know for those so so that wonder mr b why why are you sitting there <laughs> you know and and you know bless, bless the arts I, like i get it you know i come from that you know um and so I said, man, yeah, you can sit anywhere. You can sit right here. You can sit at the back. You can sit wherever you are. You're free to sit wherever because um, the, your seat here does not mean you're important and not important. The ministry of every believer, every one of us. And so it goes on and says maturing, become mature, and it says, sorry, the unity so that we can be... Be matured into the unity of the body. And unity is very critical for us. We we believe in unity. And so much that we we have made two declarations, and we're going to declare it again this morning. We are an intercultural community. Okay. Now, we heard multi, and that's, that's true. But we want to shift it to further than that. We are intercultural. Because we're not just tolerating. You know what toleri- to- tolerating cultures mean? I want to be politically correct. So le- that, that's what it means. So let me make sure that there's white represented on the pulpit, there's black represented, um, Indian must also be there. Now I'm being politically correct, eh? Um, Afrikaans, white first as well, and then British white. Some of you come from the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to... Re- oh, the king. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's the king now. <laughs> okay, um, no. Therefore, there is no um, separation. Is if uh, what? What does the Bible say? There is no male or female. There is no Jew or Gentile. Okay, let's South Africanize it. Therefore, <laughs> there is no white Afrikaner and English Afrikaner and. Um, because let me say this, colored people, we also, you know, there's no straight-eat colored. <laughs> Tell you, they, they would look at my brother and I, and they'll say, Hi? <laughs> but you're <here> straight. Hi? <laughs> you guys met Lawrence, eh? And it's weird, eh? Hey? Hey, what is wrong with us, eh? We so easily separate, and God is like, I've broken all separation." That is the church. There is no tribal. There's no Kosa and Zulu in the kingdom of God. We are all one under him, and so it's inter. We lock in. Man, and we lock in through Jesus. When he stood on that cross, he hung on that cross, he connected us. Not just toleration, you know, tolerating one another. He interconnected us. He said, Lord, he said, God, as I am in you and you are in I, let them be. There's an inter. And you know, I love your heart. It's so inter that you cannot explain the love. Because we didn't, we didn't fabricate this. We're not trying to be politically correct. Male and female, let me say, we are okay with women preaching in this church. But not because we want to look politically correct. The Lord has put on you the gift. Do you understand why the gift needs to come? Hey, Rosanne. Right? We call that gift out. And then we release the gift. And so what is the path for growth? So bear with me. And I'm going to ask the team there um, before we put it up. Just put up Acts 9, verse 19 to 30. There is a path for maturing in the Lord. There's a path for growth. There's a path for leadership. In this church, you can't just walk in here and I know. Listen, the Lord has called you. You might have come from another church, you got a gifting, it's great. But remember this, and I'm going to show you quickly the path of, of maturing is also within the community, and so you have to walk a path. I walked the path, I sat for a long time. I said to Sam, You know, I can preach. He says, Yeah, I heard you. If you know Sam, eh? yeah. yeah, show me the puppies. <laughs> You might have heard that one, eh? I heard you. Just but rest, chill. And it was a well, while, eh? I walked into, before Sam, I walked into Jose's office. Um, I want to be a member. <laughs> I come with credentials. I've led, eh? I just made it. <laughs> uh, no, Josiah just said, just be. There's a path of Becoming. And so even Saul, Saul verse 19, I'm quickly going to go through this. Saul spent several days, Saul has an amazing experience, a transformation experience from killing Christians to seeing Jesus. And then he comes um, and he has to walk now a path of maturity. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All of those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on on this name? Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? That was his mission. But Jesus had a different mission. Verse 22, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled. The Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of this plans. Day and night, they kept, him, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Now listen, where does he go? When he came to Jerusalem. So you must remember now, he was with disciples in Damascus, but the apostles are, you know, the fivefold ministry, you know, they are sitting in Jerusalem. And so Paul has to go to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples. This is a guy who was preaching in the synagogues now in Damascus, and he was growing in the authority, power. Comes to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him. Not believing that he was really really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him. Now listen, Barnabas is the guy that helped Saul in Damascus. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Let me say this. There's a principle right there of a path of growing maturing. You come into a community that doesn't know you. In fact, they might have a reputation. They might have heard of a reputation of you. Oh, we heard about this guy. (laughs) Wasn't that that kid that was leading worship there at East People? Look at that church, huh? (laughs) Some of you might have said that. I don't know. know. What happened to that guy? You know, So what what had to happen is that Saul needed to come into community and Saul needed to have someone that can stand, that knows him, that can say, I know this guy. I know what God has done. I know what, what the Lord is doing through him. And then through that, the apostles were able to say, now walk freely. So I'm going to ask the team quickly to put up something. In this church, leadership path. I'm going to start with leadership path. The leadership path, now, some of you might be guests who be with us, right, is you come, you're a guest, you know, and, and, and it's that moment where you have to ask the Lord, you know, is this the community for me, is this the place where I should be, and that may take a while, it may take a few weeks, it may take months, for some it can even take a year, even, maybe even more, but a guest has to become part of the community, Now I don't like the word membership because it makes it sound like we're a social club, but we're not, because members pay members' fees. Is that tithe? (laughs) No, Uh, no, no. You are not a member. You're part of the community. So uh, I know it means the same thing, but I just want to demystify this whole membership social club thing. So, so what is a part of of the community? In the book of Acts, they spoke about the koinonia. Koinonia is, is a deep devotion, one, to each other. In other words, I'm committed to you, man, even if you're not here. I'm committed to pray for you. I'm committed to walk with you. I'm committed to um, even hold you accountable, to say, hey, man, I see things, what's happening. But for that to happen, there has to be a devotion to one another. Yeah. And so from membership or being in Koinonia, it has to translate into Connect groups. In other words, we've got many connect groups. It's not about, and let me break this thing as well. Like, oh, you've got to be, got to be, got to be accountable to somebody in a connect group, you know. So you've got to go every week. And uh, if you don't go, you can't. No, listen, it's about community. What is community? It's natural. It's not forced. I don't, I don't just go and spend time with people just because, oh, I'm the pastor of the church. And, I, uh, you know, Tim's got to <laughs> check. Check. Here we go. Otherwise, we're going to tell the elders and these and uh, no, I do it because I have love for people. Yeah. Now I know, like I said earlier, I can't meet with all of you. I've got children, I've got a wife, I have responsibilities before the Lord, but we can look after each other, and that is what Connect is all about. It's a. It can be a woman's group on a Wednesday morning with Veronica. It can be three guys meeting regularly on a Monday night. Mm. It doesn't have to be, oh, it has to be this, this, and that. It can't, it's community. That's what we're after. And from there, why do I say Bible school? Because as a leader, you've got to get trained, and not just trained um, theologically, but trained in terms of the house. i walk into your house. You have certain things in your house that is different to my house. I can't just go to your fridge. Maybe you're cool with that? Take out something, eat, and hey, it's the same in this house. You've got to come into the culture of the house. You've got, to, you've got to submit as unto the Lord, to the leaders of the house. You've got to walk and pray and meet people and be in community. All of that is whole. And here's the, put the next slide up. The same thing applies To discipleship. Oh, you don't have that one. A discipleship path. Maturing in the Lord. Because maturing in the Lord is not just sitting, it's being actively involved. And not just in the house, like I said, outside in the kingdom. You gotta be involved, you gotta be actively involved, whether you're on that sports field, sorry man, whether you're in the business, wherever you're actively involved. But some are going to be involved inside you got a gift of worship, you got a gift of music. This is the place. Man, you love Jesus, you bless the church, the people. That is what the house of the Lord looks like. So David, I think I might have to uh, make this a part too. <laughs> but this house is a house of worship. This house is a house of healing. This house is a house of prayer. This house is a place of rest. And let me close there with rest, because that's the word we got for this year. Rest does not mean not working, <laughs> not serving, not being a participant. In fact, that word is consumerism, which I believe, sadly, a lot of churches have fallen into. I pay a tithe, you do your job. I come, I receive, and I judge. Oh, well you did it. So worship, guys, hey, you missed up the, eh? Really? Um, did you not worship? I, I stood this morning and we, we were struggling with sound, eh? I know mean, those guys were struggling, and, and I ran to the back. Some of you probably watched me, <laughs> wondered what's going on, you know? Oh. Tim's running to the back must be oh. No, no, I'm part of the team. Listen. I looked at... I looked at oh, Lesecho was busy at the back in the, in the room because he was trying to sort out the baby, you know, there. Sound and um, poor Catlicho was struggling behind the... And I looked back and I looked at his, at his face and I could see <laughs> they need me. So if you don't know, I also do sound. That's part of what I do my, as a professional. So I walk, I walk to the back, I go and do it. And I help. Why? Because I'm part of the team. I'm here to serve. I'm not here... To stake. And you know, I do get, I'm telling you, as a pastor, I sit here and I hear the worship. Man, and, and my heart is so encouraged by the worship of this house. And I'm receiving at that moment, and I'm being lifted up, and I'm being blessed. But I'm also, and I, I'm saying this because I wasn't always a pastor here. Yeah. I served in the sound team, yeah. I served in the worship team. I didn't get paid. For a couple of years, I served. They called me every time uh, we and do Sam. Then we're doing pray, can you do sound? <laughs> yes, I can. For my clients, hey, I have to move you tonight. I've got to go to church. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have children in the morning on a Sunday, and and they don't want to wake up. they wake up every other day <laughs> Sunday. It's a spirit of sleep on a Sunday. (laughs) No, I know what it's like to have to bring your children early, and then, you know, they're running around, and you're trying to do a sound check, and you're like, oh, Lord, I'm so tired. You know, Jude was a baby, you know, and and he wakes up at night like every other child do. You know, what I'm trying to say is that you've got to grow in the Lord in your gifts, and you've got to bring your gifts to bless others, because it's part of maturing in the Lord. And through that, you are blessed. And you know, there are seasons. There was a time that I knew I had to take a time out. I knew like, hey, my family needs me. And, and this is what I've learned from the place of rest, is that there, there is maturity that comes when you are able to say no. Not on the last minute, unless it's an emergency. So I've had to learn to plan my life. And then, yes, I commit. And when I commit, my word is my word, as the Bible says. I say yes, because my yes is my yes. But I say no when I know I can't. And if it's an emergency, I make sure I contact my leader. That was the maturity I had to learn. Listen, think about life. Imagine you went to work, (laughs) and you stayed home and never, ever found your supervisor. Hey? Now, now, why do we take that? Because why are we getting paid a, a salary? Self-governance is self-control. Self-governance is part of maturing in the Lord. You're a leader first to yourself. So I don't, I don't do it because, man, I've got to, I feel obligated. Hey, I'm under Jason's leadership. Uh. No, I do it because I'm self-governed. I have respect for me and I have respect for him. And so I'll phone him way in advance. Unless it's an emergency. Last minute. Hey, I really can't. I tried, eh? Hey? Everything. And I had to learn this. Then the Lord said to me, and I'm telling you, it wasn't somebody that... The Lord said to me, now, term, take responsibility. So when I would call, I was on the worship ministry, and I'd say, I can't make it. I found somebody else already. But so-and-so is available. I can't play guitar. So-and-so can. They're available. It's self-governing. Jesus self-governed himself. Maturity comes with self-governance. And all the business owners say, yes, because that's what you look for when you employ people. Can they govern themselves? Because if that guy can't wake up in the morning and you have to call him, man, is he really worth <laughs> employing, right? So, in my heart. I wanted to do something, and I'm going to quickly do it as, as a declaration. Girlie, will you come up, please? So I'm looking at Jolie. Why am I looking at Jolie. I always, you know, I'm always confusing the two of you, girlie, here we go. And um, Anton, I saw you there, I'm gonna ask you to come. Now Anton, Anton's standing in for someone that I have asked, and that is Derek, but he's not well today, he's one of our elders. And Sue, so I'm, I'm gonna ask you to come because I know, I know, just come and stand, I'm not gonna do anything, you're just gonna stand to represent something. And I'm going to ask us to lock arms. Have a look. You know, in this country, and I know it goes deeper than this, but in this country, we see white, we see black, we see colored, and we see Indian. And those are kind of the primary, and then from there it breaks into, into... this church is an intercultural church. On, yeah. And I'm going to pray this morning as we stand locked that the Lord will lock our hearts. That we will look past our differences and our upbringings. Eh? And we will look to Jesus who brings us all together. That we cement that this morning. So Father, and i ask you to pray with me, but Father... We come before you as the Father's house, Lord, in Friedenburg. And Lord, even in this heat, God, we lock our arms as a prophetic act that, Lord, we are locked together through the blood of Jesus. Every race, Lord, every culture, Lord, even whether we're not from South Africa, Lord, we are locked in you. Father, we pray protection over this um, value that we have of intercultural, intergeneration. Lord, that we may see when the enemy attacks and that, Father, we can combat that attack in Jesus' name. Lord, cover us as we stand, not just for this church, but we stand for this community around in Friedenburg, a sign of reconciliation. Father, as we stand in the Western Cape, a sign of reconciliation. And as we stand in South Africa, Father, as a church that stands as as a sign of reconciliation. So give us grace, Lord. Give us love, Lord. Deepen our hearts for one another as we come closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask Angus. You can go.
1: Yeah. I I asked him if I could say something and I didn't know if it was then to happen before or after he yeah, spoke. I not know. And God showed me in worship this morning a very clear picture for this church. It was a train. Okay, wait, let's go back. I knew it was for the church when, when Tim said he's got in the question, are we on the right track? Yeah. This was not a normal train. I immediately got the sense that it was an express freight train. I said, Holy Spirit, what, 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 what's going on here? We are. I'm saying emphatically. I'm saying it to you, and I'm saying it over the church. The Holy Spirit said to me, "Yes, this church is on the right track, but we will not stop at all the stops that we've stopped before. If that is what you're expecting, adjust your expectation. I'll be bold enough. A freight, a, an express train stops at." No stops or selected stops. And it has a very clear destination. The Lord said it's a, it's a freight express train though because there's something that needs to be delivered to the destination. The destination is the kingdom. Yes. Am I? Am I you can, Come on. Yeah. You can Come correct on. me later. <laughs> the destination is the kingdom. The stops that we will stop at, some will be familiar. Others will not be familiar. Yeah. Some will be completely new. At some of those stops, we'll offload, and at some of those stops, we'll pick up. But the reassurance is, we are on the right track, and we have the right destination. So, Father, let us not look left or right, Father God. I pray that as, 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 as these words were spoken, even though they were, it was an unconventional sermon, Father God, that you would start to knead and mold our hearts for the journey that you are taking us on. Father God, that in fact not start Lord. Father God, it's a, it's a continuation. The Holy Spirit is telling me it's a continuation. The thing that you have started, and for some of you, it didn't start the day you came into this church. It started the day He put breath in your lungs. Yeah. The thing that you have started, Holy, Holy Spirit, may that continue to be need. I don't know if needed is a word. Need into shape, so that when the time comes, the goodness. Will flow in accordance with your will. Father God, give us wisdom as, as a community, give us wisdom as, as a leadership to know what those stops are and not just where what they are, but how long we we'll stay there. Yes. Also give us the wisdom to know which stops are the ones that need to be skipped. Mm, yeah. But always keep us focused on the destination. In Jesus name. Jesus name. Amen.